This is SciBite, episode 68, for October 23rd, 2012. Hi everyone, and welcome to SciBite, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast, fresh every Wednesday morning over at jupiterbroadcasting.com and live Tuesday nights at 7.30 p.m. at jblive.tv. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey, Heather. Happy science to you. Happy science. <laughs> I was almost going to call you Chris, and I realized that was my name. That's okay. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to take a look at exoplanets, games, sleep, private space travel, the possibility of a start of a universal translator, oh. a climbing wheelchair, curiosity updates, and as always, take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week. That sounds like a science party, and I'm really looking forward to that sleep story, so let's kick things off with the news. Science news. What is our first news story this week? We have a lot of exoplanet news. One of the or the nearest stars to the sun, we have now found that it has a planet. Mm. It's only 4.4 light years away. Is so it, it. Oh, wow. Is it called Vulcan? Uh, no, oh. Alpha Centauri. It's oh, well, a sure, yeah. binary star, Alpha yeah. Centauri A and Alpha Centauri B. Okay. Now, it's actually. It's kind of funny. They're like, Earth twin. No, not quite. It's like 25 times closer to Earth. Uh, to the star than Earth is. Oh. It's whipping around a star like just a little over three days. I mean, it is really, really hot. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's it's probably not like inhabitable hot? Oh, no. Okay. Magma. Ah. Magma probably inhabits Maybe it. there's magma bugs. You never know. There could be magma bugs. I, sure, I probably, why uh, not? Geez, that'd be rough. That'd be a rough life, to be honest with you. Yeah, the, the really thing that keyed it off as really interesting is that in any of these exoplanet systems that we've found, if you have a small, rocky inner planet, all of them have had other planets. Oh. So I guess those rocks got to come from something or they form, that means they, you know, right? Isn't yeah, just the way of the formation, just huh. so far, everything has had other planets. So we've seen one. Now we're going to try to see others. There is... So now it's look at it, see what we've got going on. Um, any other small planets are going to be a little bit harder to find. Mm. We've already looked at it before, and nothing more massive than Neptune is going to be in it, around there at all. So it's it's this small range that we'll look that we kind of hope to find. Okay, but it's I mean it is. It is the closest star system possible. I mean, if we... Okay, so if we could go 10% of the speed of light, you know, a magical probe could. Yeah, okay. It, would, it still would take 40 years to get there. All right. But it's like things are becoming much more graspable, you know, much more in reach. We're able to look over at our neighbor. Yeah. No, the neighbor is pretty far away, yeah. but it's still our neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So... It's, you know, if we sent a probe there, it would have to be 
able to last that long, to communicate from light years away, you know, be able to take the drastic changes of cold and heat next to the planet's sun. Oh, you do so, kind of, what would you gain? Being able, being able to get close to another another solar system. Very cool. I mean, I'll grant yeah. you that. I mean, an I amazing mean, accomplishment, but yeah. what does it contribute back to humanity other than just being able to say, oh, look, we did. Yeah. Well, there is that, of course. And then if we find other planets. Now, what's trick about this is Kepler didn't find this. Oh, really? The Kepler Space Telescope, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. You know, it's looking for dips in the starlight so you can kind of see a planet pass in front of it. This actually was found um, differently. You know, they were able to spot the wobble. Oh, the wobble. The famous wobble that we've ended up yes. talking about a few times on this show. Yeah, it's the, you know, the force of the star, of the planet on the star, so it moves just a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, spin a kid around in a circle. Kid's doing most of the spinning, but you're moving just a little bit from it. <laughs> Right, yeah, you get a, you got a little wobble when you do that, a little, yeah. little, little give. So yeah. there's a little bit of movement going on. Hmm. Uh, the so Kepler won't be able to catch it at all. Uh, Canada has the most uh, microsatellite. It might be able to catch um, some dark. Might be able to catch it a little bit, hmm. and if they're able to be able to catch the darkness, so they're able to see the the dark pass in front of it, then we can determine a radius. And from there, you can go density, and then from the density, kind of guess what kind of ingredients, you know, what is it made of. If it is this hot and it is this dense, then, you know, these, you know, elements make, must make it up. It must be of this, this group of elements. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a link in here to the planet hunters, planethunters.org. Is that just a reminder to folks, or was this involved with that? Uh, no, it is... For the next story, actually. Oh, did I jump ahead? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, no, oh, it's okay. okay. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I don't want to spill any beans, but uh, well, That's I okay. I gotta say, the before we go before we go on, you have some really good uh, eye candy. Uh, that uh, yes. Space.com put this video out. Space.com put an, the uh, a video of the Earth-sized planet orbiting the nearest star discovered. It it, it is really neat to kind of just look over there and kind of see what the other solar system is doing. Our our, our faraway neighbor. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, any other thoughts on that one? No, it's just the more and more of these exoplanets we find is interesting. And then this one is so close and kind of hope of a tangible with it being so close and possibly more planets there will have a better idea of be able to get the best information we can from something that is not Kepler in Kepler's vision. And if they ever do look for like anybody that, uh, uh, wants to volunteer for that mission i'd take it if i could bring the family and then you know i would imagine for the first 10 15 20 years i could still do shows and transmit them back to earth right so it would only be not 20 years from now that's fine that's that's a good long run that's okay i'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> you'd, you'd still be translating it would just take right. longer and longer right. for, for the shows to, you just to gotta get re- back. You just have to remind people that all these shows are available via rss and so they just subscribe to the feed and whenever i transmit a new episode from space yeah, I think this and, could work, Heather. I think this could work. Okay. As long as they understand not to expect breaking news. Because, you know, when right, you're, right. you know, you know, a, couple, you know, a light year out, it will well, I'd kind take of be br- a year for you to well, get no, the information I mean, and it take another year for you to send it back. I'm kind of breaking news. 
you know, I'd, I'd kind of be the news, right? Oh, you would be the news. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. Think about it. The, 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 yeah. the, the rope we get there with Sidebar. I mean, that's just a ton of stuff for us to cover. Yeah. I don't know what we would do. That, that, that might be a little hard for time delay recording a show, though. Oh, the old Skype leg. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that might be a little bit of a Skype lag there. <laughs> just a little. All right. Well, uh, let's take a quick pause. Just hit the pause, but well, not. don't really. I mean, that would be stupid. Why, yeah. Don't do that. If you hit the pause button, I'm sorry I said that. Welcome back. Uh, all right. So, uh, Cybite is a audience-powered show. Actually, the whole dang network is. And uh, with the holidays coming up, I really want to stress the uh, importance of supporting the network while you're shopping because, really, this is how we're going to be able to afford our holidays. And I just mentioned that because that's really how it works. And so, when you're about to do your shopping please do consider us. And uh, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. You'll find the links at the bottom of our website for Amazon and, and Newegg, which is great. And Netflix, if you want to maybe gift Netflix to somebody for the holidays, because you can just do that all over email. And it's super last minute. It's nice. Audible, which is a great gift for maybe the old man, or if you're like me and just an old man yourself, uh, go ahead and grab yourself an Audible uh, subscription. But look, we make it easy, too. Thanks to Rekai in our chat room, we've got a Chrome extension. Boom, we've got a Firefox extension. Boom, you add those to your web browser. Bob, your uncle, when you're shopping, automatically tags your shopping session at our affiliate sites. And there's more than what's even down there. I don't like the clutter, so I don't put a whole bunch down there. So we got even more in that extension. And Bob's your uncle. You're just shopping. You don't even have to worry about it. And, you know, every now and then here on the show, Heather and I like to give you a pick. Say, hey, there's something you might want to check out if you're going to be taking advantage of our affiliate system. Now, we've been mentioning some Star Wars stuff as of recent, so we figured we'd keep that trend going with this episode. And Heather has not one picks, not one picks, but two picks. And first up is a book sitting right behind her right now, Star Wars The Old Republic Encyclopedia. Yes, if you were playing the game or even interested in the timeline of this, if you read the books, this is a really good companion piece. It you know, it's a large hardcover. It got a lot of beautiful pictures. And there's a lot of backstory. There's a timeline, so it kind of lays out where everything's happening, you know, you know, 2,000 years before, you know, Battle of Yavin, 300 years. And it kind of goes along the track and it mm-hmm. talks about these people, that these key people that you see in the game. And oh, and cool art. Books. Oh, cool yes. art. Got, there's my ship. That's my ship. That's cool. Yep. And it'll talk about, you know, it breaks it down. It has the companions in there. It has the ships in there. It has a bunch of the key characters. It has history. It's just, if you really like the story and to understand or get a, like a real feel of everything going on, it is definitely, I feel like a must have. And if you're in the zone with that game right now, when you get these kind of things, like you get even more context, like when you're playing the game, like, oh, that's what that's about. Oh, that is so yep. cool. They thought of that. Like, that's the stuff yep. that I really love. Like, that's what really drew me into Stowe was there's so many Star Trek references. I was like, oh, I know what they're doing there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, also just a reminder why we're talking about Star Wars. We've mentioned the last couple of weeks, but it's actually available now in shipping. And like Heather's pointed out, it's really great price. Amazon has it for yes. uh, 42 bucks uh, or 42%. It's 25 bucks off. Right yep. And it's uh, it's not going to be this cheap again till uh, right on top of the holidays. So oh, there you go, Star Wars: The Clone Wars Season Four Blu-ray Edition uh, available right now. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And if you grab those things uh, with uh, either our link in the show notes or with our extension loaded, you will support this show and the entire network. And uh, I gotta say, not only is uh, the Clone Wars really really picked up, but uh, with uh, Star Wars: The Republic going free to play. It's a good time to jump into Star Wars: The Republic too, because that's just getting more popular. I would imagine once yeah. once that kicks in. So, oh yes, some good picks this week, Heather. Thank you very much. All right, well with that done, then let's move on to the news bite. 
All right, Heather, what is our first story in the news bite? All right. You may have heard citizens have discovered a new exoplanet. This is awesome. Yes. So this is when I jumped ahead. This that's where Planet Hunters comes Planet Hunters comes in. Yes, uh, Planet Hunters. I've talked about it a, a few times before on uh, on Cybitis, where you can go to this website and they'll spit out this uh, Kepler data. They have just way too much of this data for to be able to go through it quickly. So they post a lot of it. They give you a quick training session. And you're like, hey, look for you know, look for this, and it shows you the brightness level. So it's like, look for these specific dips, and when you find them, mark them, and it lets a whole bunch of people, thousands of people come together and do that. And when it, an item this is... This is tri- so awesome. When an item is ticked off by enough people, then it moves up to the next level. And they have kind of backed up other... You know, they spotted them before and then found out that the the Kepler team had already labeled them as, you know, a planet. But this one, the planet hunters actually found it first. In fact, the planet now has an... A, an official slash unofficial name of PH1 for Planet Hunters because it is, that is the one. Hmm. And it's actually been uh, confirmed. Now, what's interesting is it is around a set of binary stars. Now, that we've, you know, we've discovered a couple of these, you know, Tatooine planets. But to make another twist on it, the, you know, it's orbiting the binary stars. And about... 1,000 AU, or about 1,000 times the distance between the Earth and the Sun, is a second pair of stars Hmm. orbiting it. So it is a four-star system. And they it seems pretty far away, but they are close enough to the planet that they would, the planet would be able to see all four pretty pretty easily, even the two outer ones. So so regular citizens (laughs) using their web browser... Found a planet. Or I found a four-star system with yeah, a planet is, in it. Yeah, the first one. There's only six planets that have been known to orbit around two stars. And now this one, they found orbits around four. And wow. citizens found it. Wow. They have, it's, um, it is on there. So if you're one of the first, like, couple of people to identify it, then they give you, you know, your name pops up. And they already had, like, the two first people. Their names are, are showing up in it. Saying, you know, these people were among the ones that found this. That is so, so cool, Heather. That is so cool. Yes. So it is, especially because, you know, I've said it, you know, say, you know, this is, you know, this is the way to, to for them to ream through this data because, you know, the human brain catches these patterns so much faster and easier than computers do. And, you know, being able to say, you know, everyone come together and now it's, it's there. It's like, hey, they've actually found something. They've ab- able to go through, and they were able to confirm it with the star's wobbles. So they actually go and look for it and say, yes, the star is moving. A planet is there, making the star move, and that is what's required to give it an official exoplanet, you know, to make it official. And so it is actually has the official stamp of approval, and. I can't believe it's just really exciting to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's there's quite a few of these types of programs. You go on and you look and you read off, you know, ship logs to tell the the type of weather that was there on a ship. 
or like this. You can try to look for planets and these kind of things that that are just hoping people could come together and say, all right, everybody work as a team and let's see if we can get through as much of this data as possible. And it's showing real results. And so everyone can say like, hey, I was a part of that. You know, and these, you know, you could always stand the chance of, you know, we found one, we've, you know, it's been correctly identified, it's been given the stamp of approval. Maybe the next one could have somebody else's name on it. I'm just, wow, I'm blown away by the power of, first of all, it's it's so many different things coming together, accessibility to this data, uh, mm-hmm. you know, them getting all of this data into some sort of online database, and then, you know, some amazing UI programmers designing a very usable front-end interface for yes. humans to, to, to just sit down and start using, almost like a game. And they've yeah. also built a community social interaction. Like, when you have a discovery, you can then start a discussion around the discovery for, with other people who are on the site also marking that same spot. And you guys be like, mm-hmm. you can start chatting like, hey, I think I just found something here. I mean, all of that is extremely compelling. And it's, yeah. it's an incredible, incredible uh, ability that we have uh, to sift through this data and, and to let Leverage just essentially what are spare cycles of people just sitting around in their house willing to, to you know, use their brain to compute stuff. Yeah, and this, this isn't just that, oh my gosh, this is the only time we've ever found anything. No, they have got like a handful of what they call candidates. So it's things that people have spot, spotted. Maybe it's one clear indication that there was a dip, but there hasn't been another one. Or, you know, so maybe it's just random asteroid or random something passing between us and that star. Or maybe the planet is just has a long orbit and it's going to take a while for it to see it again. You know, or a whole bunch of these transitory things that are like, okay, this is something that we're really keeping an eye on. And this was just one of those that had proved out enough that it got shuffled along to the next step. Uh, and this, this is, just feels this is like- all a process. You know, it's, you know, each rung in the ladder. It feels like this is the beginning of a new way of science leveraging the internet. Yeah. This is you gotta cloud figure other, computing bra- human brains. Other other projects that also have, you know, this type of pattern recognition associated with them, are, are they could take advantage of this too. Yeah. Oh boy, so, this is so cool. Yeah, I, and I've actually, seen a lot of these different types. You know, and it's funny, and because this did cross my mind, and, and Son of Soong in the chat room says the downside is just another thing that m- you know a man can now do just sitting on his butt without having to go anywhere. But the flip side is, is it's involving people at a very I- I- fun level in science and getting people mm-hmm. interested that normally would you know not really have any way to contribute anything in a lot of cases. I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. always the case, but most of these people that you know that this is this is the closest they get to, to contribute and look what they've actually been able to do. That's, that's incredible. That's like, that's, there's no other time in, in humanity that we've ever been at that point. That's, that's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I grew up doing a lot of astronomy. I was really interested in this kind of stuff. I don't have a job in that right now. I love it, but I could, you know, I can log on and I can put forth my effort towards this, you know, realm you know, at anybody, you know, maybe you didn't get to go to school or you're interested in this as a kind of a passing thing. It's you, cool. Maybe you like science. Life, you know, later in life when you've already committed to a career, but it's still a hobby yeah. or something like that. And, you know, you got to figure too, like, this is just the beginning of the idea, but they they could eventually at some point, very clever people could figure out how to actually make this into a game that people play. 
And oh yeah, well know, it, then it's actually it's kind like, of halfway there now. Well, right, but I mean like you know like an actual like video game that's actually a yeah. game. But uh, but you're right, there is a lot of gamification to it now, which makes it kind of addicting and fun. Yeah, really cool. Any other thoughts on that one? No, I'm just really excited about that, and I really hope. I'm looking, well, not hope, but I'm looking forward to the next discovery that they're able to, you know, correctly identify. Yeah. Well, and what's neat is we've been, we followed, did, now, did we even, I think we might have even mentioned when that launched, didn't we, on the show? Didn't we cover when that site launched? Or were we, I know we've talked a lot about it. But. Yeah, we've talked a lot about yeah. it, and a couple of different projects have launched from that website. Cool. And we may have talked when this specific project launched. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, then, Heather, I do declare it is time for the Two Byte News. There you go. The band seriously I was like, oh, where's the band? Come on, guys. And then boom, yeah. you're right there. And they really always deliver. And I was like, wait, wait, mm-hmm. they go. Always, they always deliver on that jingle. They're ready. You know, and, yes. and sometimes, honestly, you know, it's a little late on Tuesday night. They get a little sleepy. But yeah. uh, this time I didn't give them any beverages before the show, so they didn't run. Oh, yeah. that's probably what happened. All right, what is our first story in the two-byte news? All right, how games affect your sleep. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so a research, you know, was done in a sleep lab that, you know, found prolonged video gaming immediately before bed caused significant sleep disruptions. Oh, damn it. Now, the twist is fear no evil 50 minutes or less, no change. Okay, okay, all right. So, okay. you need a gap between you and bedtime, yeah. but if it's right before bed, play for less than an hour or so. So, this honestly doesn't surprise me at all, but I won't yeah. lie to you. I've just recently been really addicted to a game, and I've been trying to convince myself that maybe playing before bed wears me out. Yeah. And so that and, it makes me more tired. Yeah, now they didn't look at the effects of, you know, violent versus non-violent games. But there was another research study that showed, um, now all this is, you know, studying teens. But I'm going to assume that uh, teenagers' sleep is going to be vaguely similar to what the rest of us have to deal with. Is it but, is it the light? Is that what it is? Is it the light from the game? Because I've read, like... I've heard that you're not supposed to read from a from a screen display before you go to bed because the light from, like, say, an iPad sort of stimulates yeah. your brain a little bit and keeps you awake. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Creepy Uncle said uh, it's, it is, I think it is a lot of stimulus. They looked, uh, like I was saying, they saw another research study looked at, you know, watch 50 minutes of March of the Penguins versus 50 minutes of Call of Duty 4. And there really wasn't much of a difference. So it's not, hmm, Okay. so it's, so when they, they blame you that it's because it's a violent game, no, it's just because you played too long. Your brain's been really thinking about things and. Yeah, yeah. it's, I think that's part of it is that it needs to kind of shift down in gears. It's kind of like after you get done with something really big that you've been prepping for really hard, your brain's still kind of running pretty fast after you're done yeah. and it kind of going through and thinking about things. And I guess, you know, it could be a little bit like that, I suppose. I don't yeah, know if I, mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but, uh, uh, coincidentally, so just anecdotally, I should say, you know, there's no yeah. science with this at all. But uh, so I've been playing this video game for the last week and a half, mm-hmm. almost every night, and my sleep has been hell for the last week and a half. Like I'm waking up yeah. a lot, I'm rolling, tossing, and turning. My sleep definitely has not been very good for about a week and a half. 
and I'm, that's about that's about how long I've been playing this game at night. <laughs> yeah, that that was part of it. Is that when they you know that they had trouble falling asleep, they had trouble staying asleep. Gosh. That the REM the REM sleep cycles were reduced. So that's that's oh my gosh. See, but the thing yeah. is, is, I really like the game. Yes. So I do that well, with games. I get them for a while, and then I you know. You just have to make sure that it's no more than an hour before bedtime. So, uh, so there you go. Just say so, all right. Yeah. So take a take a break. Give a little bit of you know of a barrier between game time and bedtime. Okay. Or wait till then and just give yourself a hard cutoff. Like all right, I have bedtime in an hour. I cannot stay up all night playing this game. Even though it's amazing. I set and my little clock. Just lots of fun. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I believe we have another story, don't we? Yes, we do. Private space travel. We've been looking at a lot of these. SpaceX, Sierra Nevada, Boeing. Yeah. All of them are looking to develop private space taxis. So uh-huh. right now, in order for you know, NASA astronauts to get to, or anyone to get to the space station, you need to buy seats off the Russians. Saturn. You need off their rockets. Now what? SpaceX, we've seen them a lot lately, doing the Dragon, um, you know, they get the all the materials up to the space station, bring them all their supplies and talked about it, you know, where it was ice cream and they actually did yeah. bring apples too. Okay, okay. So it all balanced out. There was ice cream but there was also apples. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing all the supplies there and the same kind of system and idea can be switched so that it has uh, can carry up to seven people actually. Uh. Life support, spacesuits. Um, they're actually looking to start testing, um, well, not so much testing, but actually start their flight crews in about 2015. Okay. So just a couple so a couple years out, but they have to go through all the safety checks. Oh, I yeah. mean, the difference between supplies and people, a little bit different. A whole bunch of, just a few extra safety protocols that must be touched on, you know, and how to be able to abort at all these different times in the launch and oh how to gosh. get them... Astronauts safely back to Earth during mm. all these different points. Mm. So, mm. but they're not the only ones working on this. Um, Boeing is actually has what they call the CST one hundred. It's going to launch um, an Atlas V rocket. A lot of these have that kind of use the Atlas V rocket. It's a very you know proven track record. It's a very usable thing. Yeah. And they're trying to carry their system is actually going to carry up to seven people as well. And oh, that's it's an a interesting return. approach. Yeah, and do a touchdown via um, parachutes and airbags for for their coming hmm. for their landing, and they're kind of through the preliminary milestone. You know, they're getting the integrated systems review and kind of going down the design plans and reviews. So they're hoping to start getting their their serious reviews and design plans sort of being checked out in 2014. So there's a little bit. You know, a little bit behind SpaceX, but they're still moving in that direction as well. And I'm all for multiple people working on this at once. Oh, yeah. And Sierra Nevada. I mean, they're going around, too. They've got their Dream Chaser. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's actually very different from these cone-shaped capsules. It is actually sort of a a space shuttle great-grand-nephew or something. It looks like what uh, it almost looks like a like a uh, like a demo space shuttle. Like a, like if they would if somebody would have taken the space shuttle and brought it out another twenty years, right? 
It's kind yeah. of what it, I guess I've kind of yeah. There were a lot it. of um, concept art about the space shuttle early in the days. Yeah, and it was kind of some of those concept art was exactly. a little bit like that. Yep, yep, yep. That's, that's and what I was trying to so say. <laughs> yeah, very well. The, then repeating what Chris just said. The dream so, chaser. I, I, uh, I, that one, that like one, the name. like, yeah. And I like the look of it too. It kind of reminds me of that. So I've got a soft spot for it, just looking at it. Yep. It's, it, it's homey feeling. You're like, I, I know that. I know that. That, yeah. that looks familiar to me. <laughs> that looks familiar. Well, you know, you see the capsules and they are awesome and I'm all for them. But I imagine that most people are like, that's like Apollo. That's like the Apollo program stuff. And then this is yeah, like, ooh, it, that's space shuttle. Exactly, Heather. Exactly. It, ex- that's exactly it. The other stuff feels like, oh, that looks like that's adorable from, from the 60s. No, it's even farther out. It's, you know, targeting 2016, 2017. Yeah. So they're going a little bit farther out. But the more of these working on them together or separately is so much better. I mean, it's just like anything, any, you know, field. The more people working against each other or for each other, diversity is so good. Well, what a bummer it would be to have this, finally, this type of work go into the private sector and then have it owned by a single company. You know, that would be a bummer. You want yeah, mo- no, yeah, that, you want competition, you want people. Yeah, that, that's, that's the whole idea is the competition would be the good thing. And the fact that there would be options for people, you know, if you, you know, to the space station or anything else like that in orbit continue then right now it's one you know there's one location that you can get to space and that is the russians but russians yes no nothing against the russians but that's a good russian (laughs) (laughs) well that was not mine was not damn it yours was was traveling into irish but that's okay yeah yeah yeah, i'm a russian irish what can i say Uh, that's okay I, i took a little bit of russian in college so it can some oh, of it rattles really? around in there. Oh, really? Rattles around in there. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Do you, can you say hope. anything in Russian? Strasvutsnya. Uh, okay. All right. I'll take it. I'll take okay. it. Okay. All right. Now, we've got a story in here for smartphone owners, potentially, yes. or maybe uh, for future uh, a future feature in smartphones. Yes. Uh, everyone, this is what Chris, before the show, he was all giggling with glee about. <laughs> I... I, teased it in the intro, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Universal Translator. This is, a, so, you know me, I'm a Star Trek fan, so anytime you're talking a Star Trek Yeah, technology. I saw this and I immediately thought Universal Translator. So what it is, is Japan's biggest mobile operator. It says it's going to launch a translation service that lets people chat over the telephone, several different languages. There's a video. You can actually, uh, if you want, you can turn the sound on later. But it's a free application and it is... Practically in real time, you speak Free. into it. How can they do that? I don't know. But it is amazing because you talk into it, you give it a second, it'll you know, type it out in text and say it. So you can say something in English like, how are you? Well, and it looked and like one of these stories second. too is they were going to actually do it with phone calls too. Yes. So that's what they're, I think that's what they're heading to is the shorter and shorter time delay. Wow, Heather. So it right now it's English, Chinese, Korean... Uh, Japanese. They're hoping to do voice-to-text readouts pretty soon in French and German, Indonesian, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, Thai. So all of these are moving forward. Now, of course, it's going to have problems with some dialects and, you know, if you have a a strong accent, then there's going to be... It's going to be... Let's hear. I want to hear what they sound like when they're doing it. Can can you hear the phone read it back? Yeah, it does. Are you 
That is so awesome. I know. So now we can actually have a conversation with a representative that doesn't normally speak English. So definitely, definitely very helpful. That is incredible, actually. When you actually yeah, see it, it work so like fast. that. Yeah, and and even if it's just basic stuff like that, like how amazing if you're just a tourist and you're somewhere and you're lost or you want to find anything, you want to yeah. communicate an order to a waiter. I mean, <laughs> that's just so handy. Yeah. That's another one of the things that they're talking about is that if you have a camera that you can actually, um, it's going to be a separate service, but you can take a picture and it'll actually translate the menus or signs from your smartphone camera. I saw a Microsoft demo this a couple of years ago. They didn't have any, any in anything shipping, but they were pointing a smartphone camera, and mm-hmm. uh, it was an iPhone at the time. But I'm sure they would do it on a Windows Phone now. And they would scan it over a sign, and it would you would it would it would like flip the letters in real time as it was translating them into English. It was incredible. Yeah. So we're heading more and more towards these kind of things where it's, you know, helping you translate and kind of figure out where you are and what's going on in the world around you. And the yeah. fact that it was, I don't know, because they've had these type of translators before where you speak into it and it'll take it and it'll just print out the text. Right. But, you know, the, the fact that it stopped and the computer read back to you and it was really fast. It was much faster than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they had the best case conditions, but usually out, usually out a floor like that, it's challenging to have good connectivity, so you don't really know, but it seems like it was working, and if you had a good data connection, you'd, you'd assume it would work like that in production. So yeah. So, that's pretty... I mean, with the, the background noise is what I also saw, too, is because yeah, I mean, they're right. in a crowded space, right. so you kind of lean forward and talk to it, you know, so that you're not too far away from the mic, but still, that there that's, is that probably, there's background yeah. stuff going on, and it's still able to... to Probably some credit should be given to the Galaxy S3 because I think they have a special mic fo- system on there, you know? Because you got yeah. to have a good mic to, to be able to pick that up. Yeah, very Gosh. true. Cool. Well, all right. Well, so something that uh, is sort of interesting that hasn't really come up in our conversation about robotics is how uh, some of the technology innovation in robotics could help uh, folks in wheelchairs. Yes. Uh, so, obviously, rough terrain and stairs pose a bit of a... A barrier to people yeah. in wheelchairs. Yeah. Now there are various types of wheelchairs that you will can back up to a stairs, and they have essentially roller type things that kind of grip the stairs, so that it can actually bring you up the stairs backwards. And they're fairly stable, and they work well. This particular type, it has four wheels. It's kind of on a five axis. It's joysticks, and what happens is. It's, you know, rolling along and the four wheels are very separate and then it'll stop and it'll actually pick up one of the wheels and move it up a level. So if there's, you know, a step or an obstacle or something and it'll set down on that and then it'll pick up the other wheel. And it's not just that, it's that the whole, the whole chair stops and kind of recalculates and so it'll, it'll move and brace itself in different ways so it can climb up and... It also keeps the seat stable. Yeah, I, you know what I've noticed in that it's it's so the seats on a on a on a pretty nimble system there, and it can move around to kind of shift them around so that way they don't really get jostled that much. Yeah, and so you know if you have a hill or you know a terrain that maybe just two of the wheels get onto, it's still keeping 
the 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 you know, person in the in the chair very you know ver- vertical and exactly as they they are this is a very very early you know they're just now being able to bring it into the public view now they're going to move forward and see you know fine tuning it getting some user interface going on and another thing with features that it had was it actually was able to put out little stabilizers and line all the wheels up in a row. So it was able to do a 180 right on the spot. Uh, what seems really neat about it too is uh, it can also approach, like you can, so it's not just for going up the stairs, which, yeah, but it can also, it has a series of sensors on there to detect like, oh, this is a flight of stairs. I'm up now against, I need to start stepping down. You don't just roll off. So they, they can yeah. roll up to the stairs and then it just goes into stair climb mode. Yeah, and it's, completely talking to itself to say, okay, how high does it need to go? How, where does it need to brace? So it's thinking all that the process are going through all that. So all you have to do is you know, joystick forward or to the right or whatever. And it's going to figure out and it's kind of built in. So it'll stop and be like, wait, wait a minute. That's, that's not where I thought it should be. You know, if it goes to pick up a wheel and set it down on a, a platform, it's like, no, no platform. Okay, stop. Let's double check where we are. That's really neat. I, uh, you know, I have uh, I have friends of the family who are in a wheelchair, and I just mm-hmm. uh, I know I know some of the issues they struggle with there. And uh, gosh, See, yeah, that's, not, that's, that's not a robot that scares me at all. I no, don't, that can that that that's, that robot that can go as fast as it wants. I mean, you know, if they start putting lasers on it, I might I might ask a few questions. But right now, I'm totally cool like, with it. Well, you know, start putting lasers on cars, and you might get worried about it too. Well, yes, I mean, really, it just comes down to lasers and guns yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, folks, there's a re- if you're an audio listener, uh, there is a really great video of that in action, and uh, there, it looked like the guy had a mic, too, so he might have been talking about it some, and you can go uh, check that out. Heather has that embedded in the show notes. What? What? You don't, what? What do you mean you don't know about the show notes? Heather, did you, oh, oh my gosh, I haven't mentioned the show notes to people. <laughs> so uh, we get emails and people say, what are the show notes? Well, the, so Heather makes incredible notes about everything she talks about. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click on SciBite 68, that's this episode. You'll see the video there. Then a little bit there, you see the show description. Yeah, I see we tell you what, what it's about. Then, oh, look, there's the download links. That's handy. Those are great. You keep scrolling, though. Show oh. notes. There they are, the show notes. All the videos, all the links to the stories. Pictures and stuff. We got all the information from. Some sort of magic. All right, yeah. Heather. So should we uh, go over to Mars and do a curiosity update? Let's go. And lift off of the Atlas V with curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. <laughs> Pardon me while I get caught up. Again. I know. I know. I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna get excited every I, single week. I just get when like I, hear that I get flashes of like a Martian landscape and and then a wheel. It's just incredible. All right. Yes. So uh, what is the uh, Curiosity rover up to this week? All right. On the 18th, the Curiosity was able to take its first solid sample. So they had you know, were talking about all the scooping in yeah. the last couple of weeks. So yeah. they took the scoop. But it's like they actually were able to take, you know, shift enough of that, the right particle sizes that they wanted, and put it in so they're able to go forward with the analyzing with the instrument. Uh, the uh, Kimmin, Chemistry, Mineralogy, X-ray, Diffraction Instrument. In other words, they're using X-rays and shooting them through a thin glass layer of this. And from that, they're able to kind of detect from the diffraction what minerals are there. So you can pick up a little bit of the dirt, analyze it. It's about as much as a baby aspirin. Huh. 
So enough, enough of that, just enough enough. And so they took that from the third scoop that they had taken. They put that in there. So now we'll kind of see what that data is bringing back for us. Love it. Love it. It's just over there doing some great science. Yep. Uh, it also has, we talked about its laser. Speaking of lasers, mm-hmm. yep, yep. it lasered the rock a couple of weeks ago. Now they've actually <laughs> been able to use it on sand. Oh, yeah? Yep. In the, uh, you know, the same kind of stuff that they were using for the, the scoop. Is it making will- silicone so it can build uh, an army for itself? I don't think so. Oh, okay. That's good. Cause I, that- I think that's straight rumor and conjecture. <laughs> That that may have been started right here, totally right now. <laughs> no, totally not on a show called SciBite because SciBite is full of the science, right, 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 and not the kind of knowledge that makes science cry. Definitely not. I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it's okay. So they've used that. They were able to use the laser. It actually shot. It ended up being about an eighth of an inch laser hole. They were able to shoot it about thirty times, all in a very quick succession. Awesome. It was about uh, eight, uh, almost nine feet away. So they were able to kind of, they've got the scoop right near them. So they're able to analyze what's right next to them. Okay. And then kind of laser off a little bit in the distance. Part of the reason is because they want to be able to take samples or kind of get an idea of the area without yeah. having to roll over to every certain thing. Sometimes uh. it'll be to see, hey, that rock look, looks interesting. How interesting is it? Laser beam. Eh, not so interesting. Not worth it. Not worth oh, it. What about that one? That one looks kind of interesting. Whoa. Okay, we're driving over there right now. There's a party over there. Yep. And then sometimes it's like, okay, we have the the scoop right next to us. What is it about eight feet away? Oh, it's similar. Okay, so all this is kind of probably the same thing going on. So you can kind of get all sorts of ideas from this. Hmm. Good, it's a good thing they... Okay, all right. So now I start to see why they put a laser on there. But... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, one one uh, one note. Uh, not that I would ever suggest that somebody might want to watch a podcasting network other than Jupiter Broadcasting, because that would be inappropriate. Uh, but David <laughs> O, um, David O, I don't remember exactly what his position is, but he's he was involved with the Curiosity Project. Uh, maybe they actually they might actually say here in the description. He did an interview with Leo Laporte over on Leo Laporte. He's the flight director over at JPL. Oh, wow. And he talks about uh, the Mars Curiosity rover and the part that I liked, although it's uh, it's like over an hour long, the interview, mm-hmm. I think. <clears throat> but the part that I liked that was fascinating is he talked a little bit about the operating system that's on the rover. And he talked a little bit about some of the some of the things you'd mentioned, Heather, about how they did some bug fixes while it was in flight. And uh, mm-hmm. he talked about they have the two independent computer systems on there. And anyway, so it was Triangulation Episode 74 that... Uh, that David O uh, was uh, was interviewed, and uh, the whole thing was about essentially his work on the uh, Curiosity rover project. And uh, uh, I found it to be pretty interesting. There was it got a little slow at points, and uh, but uh, we talked about the tech stuff they talked about. I, I thought was great. Awesome. So there you go. That came out. Uh, I think that came out last week. All right. So uh, any other thoughts on Mister Curiosity? Not he's a, he's just that in a totally unbiased fashion, Mars is awesome, and I continue to look forward to every news break. I yeah. look forward to bringing you all sorts of awesome news. Well, and we look forward to it, Heather. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. All right, we'll jump in the time machine. Let's go. Okay. Hurry. <laughs> we spin round and round, folks, but we're not going too fast because we don't have to go that far this week in the time machine. This week in science, we go 41 years ago, October 28th, 1971. What happened, Heather? 
first British satellite went into space. It became the sixth nation, uh, launched its Black Arrow rocket from Woomera, Australia, actually. But, you know, 86 kilograms, four meter diameter, because we're talking in, in the British right now. <laughs> it went up to... so In the British. That's how it works, well, right? In the British, yes. Standard metric. I made all the metric people cry by saying that. <laughs> Sorry, metric. But it went up, it tested solar cells and a couple other technology things. But... Um, oh, excuse me. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I ate a little something for lunch. Uh, that's, a, that's okay. Britain upgraded. by getting a satellite up. So it all works. Yeah. I, I don't want to make, make everybody feel like it, it's just the U.S. So every, every, everybody... Across the world, there's so many nations that have put stuff up, and so yeah, 41 years ago, uh, 40, 41 years joined ago, the team. The Brits. It was it was yep. the Brits. All right, well, very good. Now that we've looked back in time, then it must mean it's time to look up into the sky this week. That's right. This last week or so, we've been having part of the meteor shower. It's actually from uh, leftovers of Halley's comet, which is kind of cool, and there was a large meteor that lit up the skies over California on Wednesday the 17th. You know, straight across the sky, really big fireball, sonic boom, lots of people and witnesses are obviously pulling it in. The last saw, um, information I saw, there were still some questions about whether it landed on the ocean or the land, but they're probably, I mean, with all of these, they'll go through and they'll kind of triangulate who got the picture and where they were and triangulate all the information to see, okay, it probably landed in this area. Now go out and search the area or uh, wave at the fishes who are, are checking it out. I would so, yep, so we'll see. But looking forward this week, on Wednesday, the 24th, about 8 or 9 p.m., look to the north or northwest and... Depending on how north or south you are, um, where you are in your latitude, you might actually be able to see the Big Dipper. Hmm. So, starting to talk about a little bit of constellation sometimes now. Wait a minute. Uh, could you not have seen the Big Dipper before? Uh, it's I, it's just harder. Is it harder in some places? I don't. You know, I guess I don't look at the sky that often because maybe I'm thinking of the Little Dipper that I see frequently. I I've, yeah. Well, I think there's always the a Little Dipper, dipper up there. is very. Yeah, the Little Dipper is very hard to see. If you see a Dipper, oh, it is almost dipper. most certainly the Big Dipper. Okay. So, just kind of mentioning him because he's cool too. Why he's not? He's got a great name. I mean, how often do we get to say Dipper? <laughs> not, not very. No. And he's just part of the constellation of Ursa Major. So, yeah. just the, the, in the shine part on Thursday, going to get to be a little bit more exotic um, constellations. But after dusk, Look high in the northeast, and you'll see a big W. W. A W of stars, and that's actually the constellation Cassiopeia. Oh. So it is a constellation, and it's all part of the same group. And moving on to Friday in the early evening, if you look to the upper left of the moon, there's going to be four stars. Um, they make a square, but it'll be tilted on its sides. It'll be a diamond. And those are the four brightest stars of the constellation Pegasus. Mm. So on Friday to the upper left of the moon, the big diamond of constel of stars is Pegasus. And of course, all the a couple of planets are hanging out this week too. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. We've got Venus about an hour before dawn starts. So right at the first twinklings of sun, uh, sunrise, about an hour before that, it'll be in the east. Mars will be low in the southwest at twilight. Um, there's Antares, you know, we talk about the orange-red stars that come around and hang around these sometimes. But Mars will be about uh, index, middle finger, okay. and index, middle finger, and ring finger. So three or, uh, you know, okay. two or three fingers okay. higher. Okay. Mars will be on top. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So the okay, all right. I was wondering. Mars we is the higher. Okay, all right. Uh, Venus is not the red star, Dad. It is very bright and white and yellow, and it'll be before dawn. We're talking about Mars and Antares. It's actually that's the star. Some of them are uh, red or orange. When they're near the the planets, I kind of indicate them as separate because it, it can be kind of tricky. You know, they'll be. Mars counterfeits, but Jupiter, our nice little uh, host planet yeah. here on the network, Favorite. is going to be in the east and northeast about 8 or 9 p.m., okay. and Saturn this week is completely hidden by the sun. You know, he was making a bright, you know, he had his moment of bright shininess and then kind of disappeared and disappeared and disappeared, and actually on Thursday, it will be directly opposite the sun from us. Oh. Oh, all right. So, yep, and then, and then the next couple of weeks, it'll start coming around and be able to see it during dawn. So it's it's going to come back. He's in our near future. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure you'll let me know when that opportunity arises again. When I can yes. spy me a little Mars. All yeah. right, Heather. Well, I think that's the whole show, isn't it? I think so. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. Now, if you want to get a hold of us, email us, scibite at jupiterbroadcasting.com or contact Heather on Twitter. She's JB underscore Mars underscore base. And how about that for a Twitter handle? Now, you can catch us live Tuesdays at jblive.tv at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And, uh, of course, we love it when you do because then you get to star in our chat room. and We're always watching it as we go. All right, Heather. Well, thanks for the great show this week. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>